Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for another fantastic episode. This being episode 305. 305. And yeah, can I say this has been a long, long day. It has. <laughs> Eric and I have done a, a few interviews, one of which we are going to include on this episode. We've got an interview also ready for the next episode. Yep. With some great people, with some... Uh, uh, some great points that they are making. They are, I mean, they are punks slash hardcore guys after all. There is a purpose to their, uh, let's see, there is motive behind their art, we shall say. <laughs> well, we will, learn, we will learn about that shortly in the, uh, when we get to more of the middle of this episode. Yes, we'll be talking more about social stigma. Spoiler alert, they'll be on the next episode. But on this episode, we have Moby. Moby's talking to us about a movie he put out, a documentary called Punk Rock Vegan Movie. It's just self-explanatory. Yep. I mean, everything about that is just so cut and dry. Right? It's like, yeah, everything was DIY. And he will say in the interview that it's uh, released for free. It's free. You can stream it up on YouTube. It's just an hour and a half long documentary. And it's uh, really entertaining, really informative, and just very well put together. And of course, he wants it released for free because he doesn't—he doesn't feel right profiteering off of this uh, statement he's trying to make. Like, uh, how did he say it? Just activism. Sort of like, activism. That's the—that is the word. Right. So, so yeah. But we will get into that uh, much more in detail later. Yeah, you can go watch it YouTube, Vimeo, and before long, probably on torrent sites. We will get to that. We're gonna play some music surrounding that. We're gonna get into the episode now. Uh, real quick, I'm going to fly through some stuff so we can get to that interview. The new stuff that has come out recently, Knife Club released Repeat Repeat on TNS Records. That's a single on the 22nd of February. Blue Bricks released Sparrows of Death, a single on Little Willie Records on the 22nd. Brigade Loco and Azione Diretta released a Borghetti Crew, which is a split on Tough Ain't Enough Records, split LP. On the 22nd, Out of Order released their full length. Going to be playing something probably on the next episode from Under the Knife. Love that band. Dalton's released Here Demand Maintenant on UVPR. Here Demand. <laughs> Here Demand. Is that German or Jamaican? It's supposed to be French. I just, you know, oh, what, what can I say? It's Jamaican. Jamaican. There you go. <laughs> uh, also on UVPR, same day, the band Cran released Nate. I'm just going to say that. I, I know it's incorrect. Uh, Rizale. So X Rizale X. They released Split with X Invictus X. How fitting. Uh, it was on the 23rd. Uh, Ilmatic released Watching the World Burn on Upstate Records, 24th. Also, a bunch of these releases. These next ones are 24th. Real Friends releasing There's Nothing Worse Than Too Late on Pure Noise Records. Major Pain releasing a promo 2023 EP on Indecision Records. Long Shot Odds, we'll talk about more about that in a moment. Go For Broke, single. The Abruptors releasing Noticeably Cheerless on Asian Man Records. Morons Morons releasing High Tension Situation. Rantan Plan released Ahoy on... Uh, Spam Records, we just did that interview last week. Conservative Military Image releasing Tragedy of the Commons single. They have Casual Violence, 
a release uh, coming out soon. On the Hub released a uh, LP bit on the side on the 24th. Don't Try released Crumbs featuring Andrew Neufeld, the single. Private Function Ooh. released Jusa, Jusa Vin, Vinagigis. I don't know what the fuck that is. Go look up <laughs> Private Function. I believe they're out of New York. Is that is that Gun Gun speech? Jusa Vin I think you just said it accurately there. Yes, yeah, so maybe yes. <laughs> that looks exactly the way it's spelled. Oh man, I was even sort of paraphrasing. I don't even remember exactly the order of the syllables or the letters that follow what. I don't know. The uh, last one on the twenty fourth is "Live by the Sword." They released another new single. It's pretty awesome. Called "Cernunos." Uh, on the 26th, Proton Packs released the concept of Infinity EP. Sauna released Deeper It Goes on Still Ill Records. Mentale 81 released Demo 2023 on Offside Records. Then on the 27th, Exhibition released The Last Laugh on Triple B Records. Intimidation released Promo 2023 on the 28th. And they have an EP called Total Aggression, which will be coming soon. On the first, Social Stigma released Class Warfare. We'll be talking more about that on the next episode, along with the interview to go along with the band. I've had the whole band here, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And an insane amount of detail, too. Yes. <laughs> they, they literally go through every song and talk about the meaning behind it, the creation of it, so and the history behind all those tracks. But more on that next week, folks. <laughs> yep, you can listen to it and get caught up. Uh, Fainest Idea released a new single called False Prophets on the second. Snuff Tape released the Devil's Work EP on the second. Then we get to March 3rd, which is Bandcamp Friday. Hopefully you're listening to this by then. You can go check out any of these cool tracks, releases. Get those. You can go get that social stigma, like I said. You can listen to them ahead of time and then hear what the band has to say about the tracks. Uh, a lot of other great releases coming out on the third, including Toilet Rats with their four, Roman numeral four. Uh, Primitive Man and Full of Hell releasing Suffocating Hallucination. Can't Swims releasing Thanks But No Thanks on Piranoid's Records. Still Defiant releasing The Stubborn Few on Rebellion Records. Homefront releasing Games of Power on La Vida es un Mus Discos. GT, that's G-E-E-T-E-E, -E -E, releasing Goodnight Neanderthal on Goner Records. Zulu releasing A New Tomorrow on Flatspot Records. The Heart Beeps releasing Come Together on Slovenly Records. Wicked Bears releasing Underwater on Wiretap Records. The Feel Good McLeods releasing Back in Life single. Last Real Hero releasing Ain't Living Long. We played that single. I think it was on the last episode. The Which Tossers, uh, the Last Real Heroes Ain't Living Long. Yeah, we yeah we did that. Yep. That was, yeah, I remember. Uh, the Tossers are putting out a new one. You know, it's coming. The Tossers, Feel Good McLeods, and in the next few weeks, uh, Flogging Molly's got a new single. I'll talk about more of that in a minute. But it's that time of year. It's that St. Patty's time of year. All those oh, yeah. <laughs> folk bands, Celtic folk bands, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it's that time of year to get some stuff released. Why would we be it's Celtic? festive. Why would we be Celtic punk. We'd be writing songs about Guinness and whiskey, I tell you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and none of that St. Patty's Day bullshit. We don't even wear green over here. We consider that bad luck. <laughs> Uh, all right, last one I got on the third is In Time is releasing Save Your Breath EP on Indecision Records. Last few I've got will all be on March 10th. Krim is releasing Cansons de Mort. The Heck is releasing On Your Nerves. Wild Tales is releasing 123 on Lockjaw Records. The Kicks are releasing Disorder. Flogging Molly is releasing Till the Anarchy's Restored Single. Judiciary will be releasing Flesh and Blood. That's all I've got. Eric, you're up. 
All right, I got a few. One is a uh, not necessarily a new release, but it's new to me. It came out on the 10th of February. It is uh, Lamb of God and Creator. They released State of Unrest. Now, I'm not sure. It, it's not a split. It's a single song. And I haven't listened to it yet, so I assume it's a creator doing a collab with Lamb of God. Cool. So I'm like, okay, I wonder how this is working. I'll have to do some uh, more research on that, but I will, I will check that out. On the 19th of February, uh, Engage released eight songs. Not an EP, not an LP, just eight songs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, I listened to it today. It's pretty good, pretty standard uh, uh, skate core type shit. Like, if you listen to Project Sellout, that's basically what it is. <laughs> Kind of a, I shouldn't even say just Project Sellout. You think of uh, the old school youth crew bands like Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today, who we'll also be talking about later. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That style of uh, hardcore punk music. Uh, Judiciary released, uh, uh, on the 22nd, Judiciary released Knife in the Dirt, a single for their forthcoming album, Flesh and Blood. Uh, Negative Prayer released the, uh, their single, Morbid. On the 23rd, Montezuma's Revenge released... Uh, I don't know how it's pronounced in Russian, but it translates to sun. It's a new single. I was going to talk about it some more on this episode, but I've been a little preoccupied with other things. So, yeah, maybe next week. Maybe next week. On the 27th, No Option released their EP, I Hope This Finds You Well. Four songs. It's uh, about maybe six minutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah, it's another uh, – it's that style of uh, youth crew uh, skate-enticed hardcore. Uh Enforced released uh, another single from uh, for their forthcoming record. Uh, ah, what is it? War War Remains. That single is called "Hanged by My Hand," and oh damn, is it heavy! Uh, and yes, Social Stigma released "Class Warfare." Do yourself a favor and listen to that. Like I cannot emphasize it enough. It is so good. Uh, Drug Church released a new single called "Myopic" or "Myopic." My pick. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a new single. Uh, the second, yes, Snuff Tape released The Devil's Work. More on that in just a few minutes. And uh, yeah, the third, Wicked Bears Underwater, Primitive Man and Full of Hell, Suffocating Hallucination, and Zulu, A New Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I will be checking out all three of those. Maybe. And it's Bandcamp Friday. Yes, it's Bandcamp Friday. Maybe I will be listening to them. I am preoccupied because I am uh, compiling my list of uh, best EPs and best LPs of 2022, and we will be releasing that in the next uh, in the next week or so. Well, you're going like to do that. two different episodes, and we'll try to get one out over the weekend, so just mm -hmm. a couple days after this episode, and then maybe we'll do the one, next one the next weekend in between the episodes 306 and 307. So some yeah. bonus episodes coming up with Eric's best of picks. Yep. And it's not like I, I have the list. I have the songs chosen. What I am doing right now is sort of uh, giving my own little belated reviews of each album. And, yeah, I'm trying to keep them as short as possible. I'm going to talk fast. <laughs> so, Excellent. Because, uh, yeah, it's really more about the songs that I think best represent the album and uh, best represent why I think that this album as a whole is my favorite. So... But yeah, I'm still in the process of writing the notes. I'm almost there. I'm down to the last two albums so that I can get out exactly what I need to say. Excellent. Well, on the fast note, uh, we're going to get through some stuff fast. We're going to talk about the stuff, but then get to playing it. It's time for some music, and then we're going to get to the cool interview. So, Eric, you're up. What do you got first for the new stuff? Well, I got a new song from Power Trip called Snuff Tape. 
Awesome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Power Trip's no longer a thing anymore. R.I.P. Riley. It's, uh, the thrash scene is still weeping on that loss. But no, there is a song called Power Trip off of uh, Snuff Tape's just barely released EP, The Devil's Work. This EP dropped today, the 2nd of March. And by the time you're hearing this, the album, uh, the EP, will be a day old. And I am excited about this EP. I've uh, gone on record saying how uh, beat-down hardcore is not really my thing. I sort of take it into moderation. There's only so much and how constant it can be. It's just uh, I can only take it so much. I need some more <laughs> variety. But it's a four-song EP, uh, The Devil's Work, and that is the exact amount of moderation I am willing to take from a beat-down hardcore band. So nice. thank you, Snuff Tape, for uh, considering me. You, you didn't know it, but you did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I talked with. Uh, but yeah, I talked with uh, Alec, uh, the singer, who is a very large singer, like in stature. The guy is a mountain. He is. He and you're looks, already tall. You're like six two, six three, something like that, right? Oh yeah, he's about like six or seven inches taller Jeez. than me. Like he's pushing seven feet. This guy, <laughs> and he's exactly the type of vocalist you would expect upon listening to Snuff Tape, and but. You get to know him. Oh, he's just such a sweet guy. He's just so so joking and just so fun to be around. I love him. I love you, Alec. You're a great guy, and you're a great singer and a great songwriter. The song Power Trip, yeah, it's beat down, but it's also got uh, it's also got a style of uh, that reminds me of Slipknot. There's cool. a bit of groove to it, and just the sort of way that he's uh, uh, not necessarily him, but Alex, who is also in his band. I I failed to. Uh, I fail to distinguish who, what instrument he actually plays, but he does, uh, yeah, he does backing vocals on this part, and not necessarily the way that they sound, but the the structure and just the overall feel and the just how the and just how the lyrics sound. Just I, I can't remember, I can't remember the exact word that I'm looking for, but it, you think of how uh, Corey Taylor not sings but just kind of raps. Okay. It just kind of grooves along with the uh, music. It's very, it's very similar to that, and it also helps that they're playing in the same tuning uh, as uh, most Slipknot songs. I can tell, and it's got roughly the same tone as like your average uh, Jim Root or Mick Thompson guitar. Cool. So I'm like, okay, this has definitely got a lot of uh, Slipknot influence in there. At least that's what I hear. I could be way off the mark on that, but come on, it, it's there. <laughs> so. So yeah, the two album the <laughs> the two songs that are in the middle of the EP, they have that same distinction and I was at a crossroads. I was like, do I want this song or do I want uh uh stretch the nerve? And I was like, oh god, what's the what's the song that I think best represents what I'm uh, trying to say? And Power Trip was the one. So, here is Power Trip from Snuff Tape. Uh you best protect your face. <laughs> Get a dick to win, that's how you want to spend 
going on in there absolutely <laughs> yeah it's like a 90s style beat down but not the type of 90s style beat down you think <laughs> in other ways it's not like a murder death kill or kill dozer going on in here those were like some big name uh, beat down bands but no this is beat down with a sort of uh 90s twist to it cool yeah there's even stuff where it's like uh it's on a uh, scratch the nerve or yeah scratch the nerve or stretch the nerve I don't, I don't know. know. The album is so fresh, and I was listening to it while I was uh, while I was driving, so I could only like glance at the song title. But but if you want to correct me, listen to the EP. Listen to the rest of it. What I was saying is the other song ha- felt like it had some weird uh, program beats behind it, and uh, parts where the guitar sort of went silent, and started droning droning out, and the beat just kept going. But it's not the drum beat. I was like, wait. Wait, something is different here. <laughs> Again, sort of like when a Slipknot uh, uh, sort of relies on the uh, samples and the drum beats, uh, the program beats, uh, like the like the introduction to Eyeless. It's like, you know, it just sounds like uh, somebody be beatboxing. So again, that style is, uh, it's moments like that that help me really... Uh, that helped me to correlate it with Slipknot. So pretty cool. Awesome. Pretty damn cool. Snuff tape, you guys are killing. 
You guys are killing it. And they'll have a release show this Saturday. That's going to be a, ooh, that's going to be a burner. But I'll talk about that when we start talking about shows. And we'll get there. We got more music to go through, some more new stuff. Uh, something just came out this year. Uh, our friends in Confront Stage, they're from St. Petersburg in Russia. Always happy to support these guys. Uh, they put out a new track called Where is Freedom? Uh, the band's been around since 2013. This is some more cool hardcore as we'll be playing a lot of hardcore, hardcore punk on this episode. Uh, let's get into the track. Where is Freedom? Here's a cool Russian hardcore Confront Stage. Well, that was uh, 
that was pretty coarse. <laughs> right? And that's the English version. There's also a version in Russian of the same track. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It's got such a, it's just got such a gruff tone to it. Right? <laughs> I mean, aside from the vocals, but the, the vocals certainly match the music. It's just had such, uh, such unfiltered aggression in there. I, I like it. it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Confront Stage. Thank you to those guys. Go check them out again. They're from St. Petersburg. Uh, check out what they do. Always happy to play it here so we can all check it out together. So thank you again to the band. Uh, along with thanking the band. The next one up, Long Shot Odds. Thank you to Patrick for always uh, keeping us up with what Long Shot Odds are doing. And if you're unfamiliar with them, we've played them before. They're out of Columbia in South Carolina. The band's been together since 2015. They released a new single I was talking about at the top of the show on February 24th, another brand new single. We're getting to that point where it's like, all right, if it's a 2022 release, it might fall under the older, lesser known. But the 2023 releases, the, they're the new stuff at the top of the show. Well, that's what this one is as well. Go For Broke is the name of the single. Uh, we're going to get into some long shot odds as we got so much other cool stuff to get to. We've been talking this about this one since the top of the show, so let's get into it. We'll see what you think. Here we go. Let's go for Broke.
this shit. Let's fucking go. And go where? <laughs> go to Bandcamp because if you're listening to this when we put it out, it's probably March 3rd, which is Bandcamp Friday, and we just gave you three different sets of bands you can go check out on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say let's go to the beach, but oh, yeah, that's well, cool too. It's much warmer <laughs> than where we're at if it's on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a beach, more of a shoreline to that fucking lake. If you don't mind hanging out with all the uh, dried up brine shrimp and the seagull carcasses, that's yeah, yeah. And you don't mind the smell of all the arsenic uh, ruminating out of there. Yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a dream of a better beach. Yep, in searching in search of a better beach. I bet there is in South Carolina, and that's where Longshot Odds are from. So go check out Longshot Odds. Go for Broke was the name of that single. They have other releases just as Confront Stage and Snuff Tape do, so go check out their stuff. You can go check out the other stuff if you missed us cause I, playing them because I think we've played all of those bands on this show previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah, I think we did cover all of those guys. We have, and we're going to get into some older, lesser known, or at least that's the categories. I think both of our picks are relatively newer anyway, less than a yeah. year. And this band that Eric picked, I think, is the first time we've played this band. Yeah, The Abusements. This is the first time. And they've been on my list for a while. Um, I mean, a few months, because they just released a single uh, last December called Evel. I'm pronouncing it that way, Evel. Yeah. It's E-V- E-L. It's sort of like level without the without the other L, <laughs> which I just realized is a uh, is a pan, uh, palindrome. You know, yes. level is the damn. Okay, I just had a little stroke of enlightenment here. Thank you, <laughs> abusements. <laughs> Thank you for having me realize that uh, piece of trivial information that will probably never come into use again. Right. So uh, so yeah, Evel, uh, <laughs> Evel. Or Evel. <laughs> I don't know what the what the best way is to pronounce it, but Abusements somehow have found a way in this song. And this song, it's it's a lot of fun. It's sort of a bluesy style uh, punk rock. And I mean the sort of like, doom, 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 just sort of like a cowboy Southwestern themed uh, type blues. It's pretty fun. And, uh, and yeah, they got that sort of... Uh, that raw cowboy drawl, just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just feel like they got some sort of uh, chewing tobacco in their mouth. They're about to spit it right off of their horse. <laughs> uh, try not to get any on them uh, on them boots. <laughs> yeah, got to keep them spurs nice and shiny. <laughs> I'm a starving. Let's get into this damn new song. This is Evil by the Abusements. <laughs> Yeah. 
Stinky Penis by the Meat Men. <laughs> yeah, that came out on their album. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It had a pretty long title, but it came out in 2014. And yeah, it's, that's the Meat Men doing what they do, which is uh, just irreverent comedy in the, in the scope of uh, punk rock. They've been doing that for years, the Men of Meat. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what the abusements are reminding me of here. I don't think they're as uh, outlandish and as... Uh, uncensored as the meat men but come on spread eagle boom, boom. spread eagle boom, boom. yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of fun so the abusements you guys are you guys are killing it with that new single i think it's a lot of fun i hope i hope to see more coming out of it well next up we're gonna play some music before we get into talking about some live shows and then getting into album and We'll get there. Interview's coming. Interview with Moby about punk rock vegan movie is coming. Before we get there, we're going to play a new track from Douglas Bales. Douglas Bales is from Chattanooga in Tennessee, and Douglas released an original two-song CD in memory of the life and music of Joe Strummer. This was back June 24th of last year. That's why I was saying less than a year old. Douglas's influences include Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, Lou Reed, Joe Strummer. So uh, we're getting two original songs in memory of the life and music of Joe Strummer, like I said a moment ago. Yeah. A maybe few episodes too late. <laughs> right. I was going to get there. I was going to say maybe we'll get something along, you know, in that vein for Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, and or Lou Reed in the future from, from Douglas. But, uh, yes, a few episodes too late. Uh, he reached out like uh, about a month ago, three weeks ago, something like that. So I'm getting it on the show now. If we would have known back in December, it would have been a perfect song to include oh, on yeah. the episode where Eric picked a bunch of tracks. Uh, we were paying tribute to Joe Strummer as you know Douglas is doing uh, in the memory of life and music because he's an influence to him. Joe Strummer is an influence to Douglas. Uh, influence to us. And, and so we decided to do a tribute of our own, but you know, you know, in the way we do it. Well, Douglas did it in the way he does it. Uh, again, Douglas from Chattanooga in Tennessee. We'll see what you think. There's two tracks. The track that we're going to play is the title track, St. Joe. So we'll see what you think of Douglas Bales giving us St. Joe from uh, June of last year. Here we go. <laughs> Speakers of a ghetto blaster And the old punks get excited to this day Now the lights are more silent But the shadowy cat 
St. Joe. You know, I had to keep reminding myself that that was not Joe singing. I was thinking, when I first, I've heard it a few times now. The first time I heard that through, I was thinking the same thing. Having to read back, like, is he, is this a song I don't know of? Yeah. Is it, it, what, what is this? And then, you know, read more about uh, Douglas and what he's doing. Like, nope, he's, he's performing this. This is an original song that I, he did it as if Joe would have done this song. Yeah. I mean, right down to sounding like the man. I know, like, right? It's strikingly <laughs> similar. If they're going to do a Clash reunion, which, uh, by God, I hope they don't, because right. that's just uh, that's just maddening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm saying, if uh, if in some parallel universe they do like a maybe a Clash tributes show, sure, we'll, we'll say that. Like the the mem- the surviving members of the Clash, like you get Paul, you get a, a oh man, I forgot the other guy's name. Uh, Paul Simonon and... Uh, Mick? Yeah, Mick. Mick Jones. I keep wanting to say Steve Jones. I'm like, that's the other UK punk band. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's Mick true. Jones. You get those guys together, and it's just like they do a tribute show for, like, I don't know, maybe the uh, the 25th anniversary of uh, Strummer's death, what could have been his uh, 70th birthday or some shit like that. I right? don't know. I think <laughs> you all know where I'm going with this. It's like, this yeah. guy should play, the, should play the role of Joe. Right. <laughs> just... Jesus Christ, that was a long walk for a short drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> Douglas, hey, thank you for getting this on our radar. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, both of us, big Joe Strummer fans. So uh, nice to hear something like this. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And it's on Bandcamp. If you're listening to this on Bandcamp Friday, go support Douglas. It's cool stuff. Go listen to the other track. There is two tracks on that tribute to Joe Strummer. Uh, that, again, was St. Joe. Again, he's from Chattanooga, Tennessee. The next band we're going to be playing here is from Nashville, Tennessee. But we have a few other things to talk about before we get there. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. We've been hanging out in the South a lot. We, uh, yeah, South Carolina with long shot odds, and then Alabama with uh, abusements, and now, uh, yeah, the next two ba- uh, this previous band or not even band, a singer. Yeah, Douglas Bales from Tennessee, and the next band also from Tennessee. But then we're going to be moving up north where them damn Yankees are at. Right. <laughs> and we'll get to there. Let's get to those shows so we can get to that interview. Eric, what did did you see any shows in last week? I did see some shows, and there were some shows that I wanted to see uh, that I could not make it to, slash uh, got canceled. Viagra Boys was one of those. Oh, that, dang it. I was yeah, just listening to them canceled. earlier today or yesterday, I think. Yeah. And and just as well, I kind of forgot about the show. Like, uh, uh, Sid texted me, 
And she's like, hey, what's your plan for uh, tonight? Are you going to go see Viagra Boys? I'm like, oh, fuck, that is tonight. I already made plans. Fuck. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And this was like a, a couple hours later after I got the text. And she texts me back saying, uh, well, I guess it got canceled anyway. Oh, that's weird. Oh, well, that sucks, but also hooray for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I went... I would have gone to that show, but I did go to a show this last weekend, the uh, the Road to Wacken, the finals, as it were, uh, at least the Salt Lake finals, which were uh, which would determine the winner to get into the national semifinals out in San Diego, and the winners of that one were the ones that would go over to Germany. Anyway, yeah, I went in there. I saw the last uh, couple bands playing. Those last couple bands happened to be Sacrilegion and Death Blow. And Deathblow is the reigning champion. And even Gunner, uh, when she was announcing the winners, she was she was like, uh, Sacrilegion only lost by like two votes. Two votes. So she was going to like press to see if uh, both of those bands could go out to the finals. But alas, only Deathblow is going to be going. Which uh, kind of makes sense because no disrespect to Sacrilegion. Those guys are awesome. Their music is awesome. Help uh, reviving death metal in Salt Lake. I commend them for that. Uh, but Deathblow is more established. These guys have been a band for over 10 years. They are the reigning champions of Salt Lake thrash metal. They are, everybody knows them pretty much. So if there was a band none more deserving to be to be given the chance to play Vakken Open Air, one of the most coveted heavy metal festivals in the world, I would like to know. <laughs> you know, what band do you want to point to me? I, I'm talking about local bands, by the way. I'm sure there are plenty of others, the nationwide, that would that are more deserving of getting in there. But that's going to be determined. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know when the finals are happening, but it will be determined in San Diego. And Deathblow, I hope you guys make it. Goddamn. <laughs> anyway, the other show that I was going to go to is uh, it was Gideon which was uh, last night. Well, last night, according to me, on the time of recording this episode, which is a very late March 2nd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we only got a couple hours of March 2nd left. But on the 1st, I was going to go to, uh, well, maybe not necessarily going to go, but I was considering it. And that was uh, Gideon for the Fallen Dreams, Orthodox, and Guerrilla Warfare. And another show that I've forgotten about, and my other friend, Haley, uh, gave me a call in the middle of uh, in the middle of my shift and and she was like hey are you going to Gideon tonight Gideon <laughs> they're playing yeah it's tonight holy shit i forgot about that show um well i'm meeting with my personal trainer tonight um i don't think i'll be able to make it uh besides the only band i really would have been wanting to see was orthodox and that's just if in the event they played some of their older material that i know and love <laughs> i mean last october when they dropped their uh, last album the name i can't remember but i went on record saying that i take my beat down in moderation just as i said at the top of this episode regarding snuff tape and i will probably be saying again because great cover to cover album is going to be orthodox <laughs> <laughs> and it's the great cover to cover EP, but I will get into that when we get to that. Um, uh, but yeah, I was kind of bummed that I missed uh, that I missed that show, but it's it's okay, it's okay. I've 
I've missed worse. <laughs> there are shows that I am still kicking myself in the ass for uh, not attending. One of which is uh, Guar. The last time that Guar came through when Odorous Yorungus, when Dave Brocky was still alive, before Odorous had to return to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the scum dogs needed him back on the planet. So, uh, so yeah, I hate myself for not going to that one. Having chosen between another band that I had never seen, but would end up seeing various times afterwards and another band that i had seen plenty of times and will have will be continuing to see plenty of times afterwards <laughs> that band is tattooed on my forearm for a reason <laughs> let's talk about the shows that are going to be happening that i will not be missing i'm making a promise i'm signing a contract so <laughs> with myself to myself Better hold true. Yeah, I will hold true to this fucking contract. The show that I am going to is on the 4th, this Saturday, with Snuff Tape. They are doing their official EP released show. And I am excited to uh, see my homies perform again. And who shall be uh, joining joining them but Spent, Narc, and Threer. I'm like, oh, man, all three of those bands bring such... Such great performances, great live shows, great reactions from the crowd, and Threer is incredibly eclectic when they are on stage. I mean, their fucking singer, uh, name's escaping me, but their singer, he was like, actually, I think his name's Corey. Okay. It might be. I'm, I'm terrible. We'll go with, with it for now. Until we'll go you... with it for now. He's yeah. hanging. He, they played a show at Aces High, and motherfucker was hanging from the rafters. <laughs> Just like uh, doing... Yeah, just doing that uh, playground trick where you're like uh, hanging off the hanging off the barb with just the uh, the pits of your knees, right? Yeah, he was doing that while singing. I'm like, <laughs> not even singing, yelling. <laughs> the guy's a fucking monster. But I love it. Threer is, uh, and you know, I've had I have my thoughts on Threer. And uh, oh god, Spencer was like, "Why were you so mean to those guys?" I'm like, I didn't mean to be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was coming off that harsh, but apparently so. The people have spoken. So uh, sorry about that. Wolf uh, didn't tell me anything, uh, at least in that regard. But apparently, apparently, Wolf made those albums, those old three releases, available for streaming again. Okay. I haven't checked that. That's just uh, off of Spencer's mouth. So I don't know. Whatever he says, yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> but I will I will check that out in a few minutes or so. Anyway, yeah, that EP release show, Snuff Tape Spent, Narc and Threer at Aces High Saloon. It's a ten dollars to get into the door if you buy advanced. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, ten dollars to get into the door, but if you're buying at the door, <laughs> it's twelve dollars to get in said door. Okay. So there we go. Now you gotta now you understand the doors. <laughs> uh, also on the fourth, if you're not into uh, such heavy, hefty, beat downy junior hardcore shit, uh, maybe uh, check out the little pop punk show that's happening down the street at the Beehive. Wicked Bears are having their CD release show, their album Underwater, and they will be joined by the Littlest Man Band and uh, Calorie Pairs. And like I said, that's at the Beehive. That's uh, $15 in advance and $20 the day of. So a little a little less cheap. <laughs> uh, on the 7th, uh, this, is a, this is a bigger show. August Burns Red, their 20th anniversary tour. I didn't realize those guys have been around that long. Wow. Holy shit. So, 
Yeah, good on them. 20th anniversary tour. And who should they be touring with but their uh, metal, co- metal core cohorts? Metal core hurts. <laughs> metal core hurts. Sometimes it does. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Uh, <laughs> they will be touring with none other than their uh, brother band, Devil Wears Prada, as well as Bleed From Within. So many uh, scene kids are just like waiting with anticipation. It's like, oh, maybe I should do the swoop for this show again. <laughs> I mean, I want to check it out because I really like August Burns Red. Devil Wears Prada, I haven't seen in ages. I haven't seen them since the first Warped Tour I went to back in like uh, like 2009. Wow. You know, I haven't seen them since, mostly because I haven't had like a a drive to go see them. I think they're good, but I'm not like uh, obsessed with them. Sure. So, But it would be cool when I saw them live. I had a good time, so see what they can do now. Uh, that will be at the Complex, $33, and starts at 7.30 p.m. Again, it's the Complex. When you're buying tickets from the Complex, expect to pay uh, almost $10 more than what the asking price is. Ugh. Ugh, Jesus. Anyway, if you want to uh, go to uh, another show, well, this one you can't, unless you sneak in. That is <laughs> Tsunami, with uh, Victim to None and Recidivist, and the return of the hardcore band No Empire. They have been a. They were a band of some, uh, just a shade under a decade ago. They had a pretty good run, uh, but they are now coming back. So, this is pretty cool. Awesome, yeah, pretty cool shit. That's gonna be at uh, uh, the, the, the the Beehive, and another one of these. Uh, I shouldn't even tell you the price of the show because it's fucking sold out. Right. <laughs> so, what does it matter? Yeah, what does it matter? Just go there and sneak in. <laughs> uh, 6 p.m. Starts at 6 p.m. For those of you that bought tickets and still need a reminder. <laughs> uh, on the 8th, uh, Prince Daddy and the Hyena will be playing with Drug Church, Anxious, and Webbed Wing at the Beehive. That is uh, $22. It starts at 6 p.m. And on the 11th, Show Me the Body is returning to Salt Lake City, playing this time at Soundwell. With Jesus Peace, Scal, and Zulu. And holy hell, can you can you say stacked lineup? Like, my God. I haven't seen Jesus Peace in a while since... Uh, I think the last time they came here was with Terror and Knock Loose and Year of the Knife. It was one of the last shows I attended at, uh, at Club Sound. Okay. And that was the first time I've been there since they built the stage out. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was a fun show. I didn't stick around for Knocked Loose because at the time I wasn't so big a fan of those guys. This is before they released uh, Shade of Blue. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I mainly went for Terror. That was where I was introduced to Year of the Knife and Jesus Peace. And my God, brutal bands. <laughs> Damn brutal. I love them. Uh, so yeah, that's going uh, to be a hell of a show. You got these uh, hardcore bands on there. Well, Jesus Peace is the... They are unmistakably hardcore. Scowl is like more old school hardcore and Zulu is more power violence. And Show Me the Body is weird ass, heavy, industrial, crusty shit. They're they're (laughs) fucking bizarre. (laughs) And finally, on the 12th, uh, the Hallowed Hallowed Catharsis will be playing with Social Stigma and Wolf Blitzer at the DLC. That's uh, in the Quarters Bar downtown. That'll be uh, $12. Starts at 8 p.m. Should be pretty fun. Kind of a mixed metal show, hardcore show. Cool. I like that. Yeah, Wolf Blitzer's awesome, too, by the way. Just, uh, just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I got for uh, 
that's what I got for shows in the upcoming uh, week and a half or so. Sweet. I got a few to mention, then we'll get to your album before we get to the interview. First up, I mentioned last week there's a free show and video shoot Sunday, March 5th at Meteor. It's 2 p.m. That is in Windsor up there in Ontario. Uh, the band is Reckless Upstarts. Love that band. They are awesome. Go jump in and be a part of their upcoming video uh, it'll be the first single from their upcoming LP. And yes, the bar will be open, so get out there, be a part of the video, go drink some drinks, and enjoy the show that Reckless Upstarts puts on. Uh, we'll go to Common People Records. They're doing Common People Fest on the 3rd and 4th. That's, you know, it's going to be happening by the time some of you are listening. You might be listening to this on the way to the show. That's at Meteora in Barcelona, and you can go follow at Common People Records over on Instagram to get some more details. Uh, bands that you will see there are Von Danikens, Oriaga 778, Fracture, Lavette, Labana, Offensiva, Brutal Seegers, Asidio, Entre Vandals, and Revanche, and uh, just a lot of great bands. A bunch are from Barcelona, uh, one from Sweden, one from France, and a couple other areas there in Spain. Uh, great lineup. Go check that one out. That's in Barcelona, like I said. Uh, next up, we are going to go to uh, Saturday, March 11th. You can go see Battalion Zoska, The Screws, Capital Offender, and Luxury Teeth at The Runaway in Washington, D.C. $15 tickets. Music starts at 9 so go check out Battalion Zoska. They are from uh, Philly, and you know all the rest of the bands look like they're from D.C. or Maryland. So if you're in D.C., Battalion Zoska is traveling in. They're awesome. Go see them. If you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, you should definitely go check out Intimidation. They will be playing with Castillo, Castillo Repeat Offender, uh, Big Dog, The Stress. This is on March 4th. TVI, $15 tickets. It's a 7 p.m. show, Barn Burner in March. And it says, oh, no, from Los Angeles. I said it's in L.A. The band's from Los Angeles. It's actually in, uh, I think it says Midgewood, New York. So go follow those bands. I told you wrong. That's the wrong coast. Uh, <laughs> most of those bands are from... Uh, New York areas, so it's going to be in New York, but Repeat Offender and Castillo are coming in from California, and you can go check out those bands. That will be this Saturday. Go follow them at Intimidation Oi. If you want to make it easy, go follow them and get more details on that one. There. Which coast is it? The North Coast. <laughs> right? The, the what? <laughs> uh, there's Saturday Night Live Punk featuring 13th Legion, uh, Slivs, Slivs, Fuck, man, why do people make some of this shit hard to read? Uh, Royal Sham, The Mud Butts, Full Send. This is going to be in Hawaii. Uh, the show is in Waikiki, and it's on March 11th. It's a 9 p.m. show. Uh, it's going to be a free show, but it's a 21 and older show at the Irish Rose Saloon. Love 13th Legion. Don't know the rest of the bands, but if they're playing with 13th Legion, I'm sure it's going to be cool. So, I mean, what else you got to do as far as punk shows go there if you're in Waikiki? Saturday Night Live, punk. It's not even in New York. And, <laughs> it, and they don't even have fear. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Back good stuff. The complete opposite of New York. It's all the way on the the ass end of the yeah the ass end of the United States. It's sunnier and warmer there too. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's just the little. Uh, it's just the little state that we're taken into. Yes. Sort of our little detached tail. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A couple more to mention on Saturday, March 4th. It's a $20 show. This is in Toronto. uh, 54 The Esplande. I think that's the name of the venue. Uh, You get to go see Young Scums ASOP, which stands for Apple Sized Olive Project. Going to be playing them. We played them on this show. We're going to be playing that on Punkanoi Worldwide on the next episode, I believe. The Dominion. Pet Rat and No Signal, so go check that out. Uh, it is Punk Communion Show. Again, it's 19 plus, not 18 and older, not 21 and older. It's 19 and older. I must still, <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day in, the, in at least California, that would have made sense because you, the legal age to start smoking in California by state law was 19. I remember that because that was my first time legally buying cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nowadays I know that that's changed. And even so, why? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's just uh, so you're hopefully not in high school still buying it and then going to high school and passing it out to the other kids. Maybe that's why. Maybe. That's that's only logic I can see there, but something else, I don't get it either. Anyway, go check out ASOP there in Toronto. $20 at the door, but if it's $15 online, that is this Saturday. So you still have time to go get it online and save yourself five bucks. And finally, I'm going to mention the We Are the Union Cat Bite and Kill Lincoln Tour, at least the first leg of it, which you will be able to see Omnigon, it looks like, playing with them. And that will be Portland, Oregon on the 7th, Seattle, Washington on the 8th. Salt Lake City uh, at the Beehive on March 10th. In Denver, Colorado at the Bluebird Theater on the 11th. And then, you know, there'll be Dallas, Austin, Mesa, the 13th, 14th, 16th. And they have a whole bunch of other legs of the tour, taking them all the way up into Minnesota. I'll mention more of those next week, but you have an idea of who you'll get to see this upcoming week if it's anywhere near you Eric, that's all I've got. Let's get into that album. Oh, yeah. Uh, But also speaking of albums, I just got a a message, uh, an email from Bandcamp. Um, Primitive Man and Full of Hell just dropped. It just dropped. I was like, okay, okay, we get it a day early. The shortest song on here is 25 seconds. And that's just a little buffer song. It's uh, (laughs) out of five tracks. It's track number three. So it's right in the middle. It's sort of like the transition, if you will. But no, the shortest actual song on here is uh, 6 minutes and 16 seconds. That was the single from uh, f- from Primitive uh, Primitive Hell. Yeah, Full yeah. of Man. Actually, <laughs> that's a little bit more suggestive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rebel Home. That was a Primitive Man track. At least I assume it is. I don't know who's who on this record yet. Maybe it's just a conjoined effort. There you go. Yeah, maybe it's just uh, all of them doing whatever. It's sort of like how Emma Ruth Rundle, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, and Thou did that album a few years ago. Okay. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Let's get I, into it. Either way, I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> you listen to it on the way home, uh, talk about it on another time. Let's talk about your album on this one. Then we'll get into some music and get into that interview. Yes, my album, well, the great cover to cover EP, as it were, <laughs> is by Orthodox Straight Edge. And this is old school Orthodox Straight Edge. This is uh, the EP, uh, Give Me a Reason, that came out in 2014. And this was the EP that really sold me on these guys. Just four songs long. It's got. Yeah, the songs Anger, Hell, I've Done Everything I Can, and Disappointment. So they're pretty bleak. <laughs> <laughs> At least back then they were. And, and before that, they only had a, uh, a one other album called End of My Wit. And that is an actual album. It's a full length. And I listened to it. It's, it's good. You know, it's a little uh, long-winded in my personal taste. But I haven't listened to it uh, in a long time. So... I just remember it not grabbing me back then. But there were some good songs on there like uh, The Rope and uh, Shallow Roots. And uh, what was the? Oh, yeah, there it is. There is nothing I can do, which is kind of funny because one of the songs I'm uh, choosing uh, that I chose to be played on this episode from this EP is called I've Done Everything I Can. (laughs) (laughs) I've Done Everything I Can. There is nothing I can do. But there is nothing I can do. Preludes, I've done everything I can. So, hmm. Apparently you could have done more. What <laughs> uh, if that was a song on their, uh, on their album that just came out? I could have done more. <laughs> that would have been it's funny. Up. The trilogy of woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough, of the, enough of the fucking around. Let's get into some serious shit. Now, Orthodox... Or rather, their full name, Orthodox Straight Edge. That's at least what their old Bandcamp says. And their old Bandcamp, I'm looking at it now, it's only got those two aforementioned releases. And we know that they got more than that. Right. <laughs> at least that's what their more. Apple Music says. And I'm sure the Spotify says as well. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the fact that they were on different labels. Because, I mean, this is just their actual uh, band page, and the last time it was in use, I mean, this EP came all the way out in 2014, and that's the last release they have on there. So maybe they rebranded. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just dropped the straight edge and kept the <laughs> orthodox. <laughs> Ex-orthodox. <laughs> right? <laughs> no need for the second X. It's already in the name. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, enough, uh, enough fucking around. This is uh, Orthodox Straight Edge from the South. This is the s- first song I chose. It is, a, it is a barn burner. It's a world burner. It's, all it knows is burning because the song is called Hell. Let's have some fun, shall we?
You are going to hell, okay? <laughs> it took you almost 10 years to figure that out. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so yeah, if you recall what I was saying about Orthodox's album, uh, the most recent one that came out last October, um, yeah, I was going along the lines of how there wasn't much variety other than just a bunch of chugs. And I get really burned out on that, like, pretty quickly. <clears throat> As I was saying uh, about Snuff Tape at the top of the episode, four songs, that is the exact moderation, my level of, uh, that is the extent of my appeasement. Yeah, I, I guess it works there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, like, a, a whole album of just that style, I, I can't do it. It just get. It just loses its luster for me. But there was that one song that stood out where it was like, okay, it starts off pretty fast, and then it works in the breakdowns. That's good. There's variety here. That song, yes, there is variety. They break up some of the uh, the slower, slammier parts with some speedier parts and just sort of like keeps you, uh, as you going through a loop, keeps you guessing, and just it's a very short runtime. That's what I appreciate about uh, heavy music that it kind of plays with expectations. And that one certainly did. And this one certainly does. I've done everything that I can. It's like, well, if this is all that you could do, uh, you could have, I could have been left satisfied. For a while, I thought this was all that they did until I realized, oh, wait, they've been doing shit uh, uh, beyond my radar <laughs> for, <laughs> for quite some time. All right, well, let's see what they have to offer. Oh, it's not as good. <laughs> Sorry, but but take solace in the fact that you know I may have been harsh on that album, but the early stuff it's uh, pretty pristine. And this song stands out to me. I did play it on the episode uh, on the episode on this show on this podcast before. It was like three years ago, I want to say. Um, but I figure enough time has passed that I can uh, revive it and do it justice again. Because honestly, man. Well, you listen to it, you'll understand why. Well, at least I hope you understand why, but this is why I love it, because it is fucking heavy, and heavy in all the right ways, especially that especially that intro riff, like, oh, not exactly the intro riff, but the riff that plays, like, right after the song breaks and just goes right into the verse and it speeds up. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you guys are doing here. <laughs> So without further ado, here it is. I've done everything I can. If this was all that you had to give, can color me satisfied, Orthodox. No 
Pretty grim, pretty bleak, pretty uh, downright depressing. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, and if you don't believe me, this album kind of gives you a fair warning. The uh, the EP cover is of a book that is opened, and uh, also the text on the book is their lyrics, which is actually pretty cool. Um, but it's got pages cut out, so it makes a sort of pit, and there's a gun in the middle of it. So it's like, okay, that's the hiding place for a gun. And then if you flip the back of the seven inch. It's the, it's the same book, but the gun is gone, and it's replaced with a lot of blood spatter. Okay. So, yeah, you don't see that on the band camp. <laughs> <laughs> thus, uh, thus further, uh, further emphasizes the importance of physical media. Right. You don't know what else you could be getting. Okay, maybe this was not exactly a great example because of how, uh, <laughs> how <laughs> disdainful and dismal that this... Uh, that that EP would uh, suggest its artwork. But again, that's uh, it gave you a fair warning. Like I said, you get an idea of what the musical trajectory is going to be about at the, just the near, just the mere sight. Right. That's, that's the first thing. That's the first thing you get. Some albums do it well. Others uh, don't. This one did it well uh, from everything from the cover to the music and the, and the lyrical subjects in here. So, yeah, I remember the days of old Orthodox. <laughs> and I've seen them twice, and they're fucking, they're brutal. They are a brutal band to see live. Saw them once uh, with another mistake, and I saw them again with Cruel Hand. And that was a crazy show. Damn. Okay. That's all I got to say about Orthodox. And we got apparently a lot to say after this regarding the uh, vegan punk rock documentary. Because the interview is coming up. It sure is. And we're going to play a couple tracks before and after the interview that uh, are, are talked about during the uh, documentary. So definitely check it out. We're going to play some Youth of Today off of We're Not In This Alone. I'll talk more about that in just a second. And then Moby was also, he played bass in a punk band back in the early 80s. And we're going to play a track from that band, Vatican Commandos, also on either side of the interview. So let's get into the track uh, from Youth of Today. They were formed in Danbury, Connecticut. And that's where the Vatican Commandos, they were formed in Darien, Connecticut. Uh, Youth of Today started back in 85, and in 88, they released We're Not In This Alone, a track that they spoke about. I mean, there's probably numerous, if you're really listening, because uh, uh, Ray and Purcell, they were in the actual documentary. But this, I think, is a very important track. They spoke specifically about this, so let's listen to it together before we get into a Vatican Commandos track, which will lead us into the interview so here we go. Here is some youth of today with no more. No more. No more. No more. 
more. It's great to have bands out there like you today, uh, you know, speaking for those that can't speak for themselves. Uh, and exactly, no more. Yeah, no more. No more what now? <laughs> uh, we know what they're uh, saying and no more if it wasn't uh, obvious. I mean, they even uh, they even point this out in... Uh, I can't remember if it was in the the movie itself or in the interview with uh, Moby. I think that, both. I think... Yeah, you know what I'm going to be talking about. How uh, with Ray's uh, vocals, you couldn't exactly make out what he was saying. Right. And, you know, watching the... And watching the music video, it's uh, you know them playing at a live show, people going crazy, and them just sort of uh, walking around the uh, the areas of uh, New York in front of buildings. And not only does the the message become clear until the kid's like about to eat a burger, and Ray puts his head on his shoulder like, "Nah, man." It's like, oh, okay, so it's a vegetarian song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They even uh, says another example of that, but we do get into. We do get into that in the interview. The only drawback to the interview is there's just not enough time. So much to talk about in the movie and not enough time to talk about it. But we do get to cover a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I want to thank Moby again for joining, which I'll thank again after the interview. But uh, it was great. We had a great time talking to him about the movie they put together. Definitely go watch it over on YouTube or Vimeo. I think regardless of what your uh, belief is uh, as far as eating animals and such, you should watch it. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch it. If you're listening to our show, you're definitely going to be interested in hearing some some legends speak about kind of w- their road to how they got to where they are. And as Moby says in the interview, you'll be surprised at somebody, I'm sure, in the interview talking about them being a vegan themselves. So yeah. uh, I know get, I was. <laughs> right? Both of us were, and I'm sure other you, you'll find some, if not a lot. Uh, I found a couple tracks from Vatican Commandos, and uh, I think they're good enough quality. Why not play them? So why not? That's why we're going to play it. Has Vatican Commandos have nothing to do with the documentary. I just thought, why not play them on this show? Uh, The first track we're going to play is Your Way. It is off of Hit Squad for God EP that came out in 1983. They also released another EP in 1983 called Just a Frisbee. And guess who? Rob Zombie did the cover artwork for Just a Frisbee. So, yeah, maybe you want to go check that out as well. Goes to show just how far back some of these guys go. Right? (laughs) It's like some people you wouldn't expect who started off in uh, in the punk rock scene. It's like... Yeah, Moby is doing a punk rock documentary. Yeah, he was a punk rocker back in the day. Yeah, he was part of that old school vegan straight edge youth crew movement. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't notice him as the uh, male Enya. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get that reference if you watch the documentary. Yes, you will. <laughs> or if you just listen to Moby's music, then yeah, you kind of maybe you'll just assume. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. But yeah, let's listen to some Vatican Commandos. All right, here we go. Vatican Commandos, your way, immediately followed by Moby and us doing an interview. I'm 
Joining me now is Moby. Moby, thank you for joining me to talk about Punk Rock Vegan Movie. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get into the, the origins of it. What was it that kind of drove you to create it? How long ago did you start? How long was the process of making uh, a documentary such as Punk Rock Vegan Movie? Well, the original idea sort of came to me, I guess, about five years ago. I was talking to a bunch of animal rights activists and I was surprised to find out that none of them, and this is specific to the people I was talking to, that none of them knew about the history of punk rock and animal rights activism. And I grew up with that. So I thought, well, what an interesting way to sort of tell a fascinating history, but also to look at the underlying issues, you know, the, the underlying ethos of punk rock, but also the underlying, you know, the way in which food and fashion are produced because I try to use my, I have a little production company and I try to use my platforms to draw attention to the issues around animal agriculture. And I thought this was potentially an interesting way of doing that, which could also, as I mentioned, tell a story that a lot of people, I'm assuming you're familiar with it quite possibly a lot of your listeners are, but the fact that so many people in the world are just unaware that a huge part of the animal rights movement started in the world of punk rock. Right. And and to be perfectly honest, uh, there was, I would say the majority of what you covered in there was actually news to me as well. And, and something that I just really appreciated about it. I think when it comes to anything that you want to learn about, if there is a single documentary or a single information information out there it's enough to pique an interest and want to learn more but when you start to gather like a, a large quantity and coming from a, a variety of areas uh, I think it can really start to resonate with people and I think that that's what your documentary does you know for me personally I've eaten a, a plant-based lifestyle cut out all the animal stuff for about five and a half years and it started with uh, the documentary Forks Over Knives. And then mm -hmm. I, you know, I learned uh, uh, more and more and then, you know, not just documentaries, but other sources. And what you've brought here with Punk Rock Vegan Movie is essentially, you know, in line with those things, but just coming at it from a different perspective. And uh, I didn't know so much about the the punk rock origins of it. Yeah, it's a really, for a lot of people especially, it's a very sort of surprising story. I mean, I've been doing a lot of interviews around it, you know, everything from punk rock magazines and vegan magazines, but I was on Good Morning America the other day, and there's just this recurring question that people have about this intersection of punk rock and animal rights, because 
the majority of people in the world think that punk rock is chaos. They think that punk rock is violence and anarchy, and they're incredibly surprised. This is just based on what people have been telling me, incredibly surprised that punk rock is principled, that punk rock is thoughtful and activist-oriented, you know, and that is really nice. Like, to have that ability to surprise people, you know, when people have these sort of baked-in assumptions about something, and then you sort of turn the assumptions 180 degrees, where, you know, the, the people who are standing on stage screaming at the top of their lungs and stage diving and playing the loudest music that's ever been made are also <laughs> some of the most thoughtful, principled, ethical people on the planet. Right. I mean, people that are unfamiliar, just in some of that footage, if people are unfamiliar with punk but watch what you've put together in some of that footage, they might not even, without subtitles, uh, they might not even have a clue what's going on as far as what they're saying, but then they just see people hopping on stage, jumping off stage, chaos ensuing for those that are you know, first time looking at something like that, but not knowing that's just their own expression, right? People go listen to that kind of music and that's how they express themselves while they do it, but also listening to what's being said. And maybe it takes a trained ear to understand those things. Yeah, that's why the subtitles were so essential, right? You know, because if you're playing an old Use of Today song or an Earth Crisis song, you have, or even like, you know, Cats and Dogs by Gorilla Biscuits, like without the subtitles, the majority of people would have no idea what's being said. But with the subtitles, you realize that the lyrics are some of the like most thoughtful animal rights based lyrics that have ever been written. Absolutely. So much of the other footage on there that you included was heartbreaking. You know, if you've seen other documentaries like I was describing before, you'll, you'll have seen other footage that is along those lines. But then on the, the flip side of that coin, so many other great footage with, you know, the one that really stands out is that giant cow and it resting its head while it's being pet. But just the look on its face is just loving Every minute of it, just like your your pet dog, your pet cat, whatever your pet might be that comes up and wants that attention and you give it that love, the exact same look is on that cow's face. So there's a lot of great footage included that, that's along those lines as well. To that point, I mean, one of the, the hardest things for me to process around the way in which we treat animals is simply that the, it's the way that we respond to vulnerability and to innocence and defenselessness. I mean, cows, if you spend time with cows, they are giant, innocent puppies. And the fact that when humans are confronted with these giant, innocent, vulnerable puppies, most humans' response is to kill them and eat them. And I I have to say, like, as time has passed, you know, because I've been a vegan for 35 years, an animal rights activist for a pretty long time, my thoughts about humanity <laughs> have definitely changed. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe a world without people wouldn't be such a bad thing. Agreed. It's becoming increasingly hard to make the case that humanity is a positive force on this planet. And I know when you take a step back and look at the evidence, you can't even begin to make the case that humanity is a positive force on this planet. You know, the fact that we we kill each other, we kill animals, we destroy the environment. We like everything we do 
seems to be based on destruction. And even, sorry for rambling on too much like a crazy old anti-human misanthrope, but like (laughs) even the things that people think are like wholesome, you know, like a backyard barbecue. I'm like, yeah, your backyard barbecue, you're eating food that's killing you and that is the product of torture and suffering or Thanksgiving, you know, like the family gathered around the turkey and the ham. It's like, well, the turkey and the ham were tortured and killed. And by eating them, you're increasing the chances that you're going to have cancer and heart disease. And you're contributing to the deforestation of the rainforest and antibiotic resistance. Like everything is just like horror and destruction. And um, yeah, I, I have to say, if if humanity disappeared tomorrow, I don't think that would necessarily be a terrible thing. Not for the planet. And two things. First, I am 100% with you. I've said numerous times, somewhat joking, but wouldn't be surprised if it's true. And I say all the time that aliens are real. We just don't know about them because they've been here and they've seen what a plague human beings are upon the planet. And they want nothing to do with that. They don't want to bring that anywhere. And they would probably fight to keep us stuck here and not go elsewhere and spread what we've done to each other, to the planet, to others on the planet elsewhere. I'm not rationally I'm with you. that that would if if there are spacefaring aliens, one would assume that they would stay far away from us because you know, as like I mean, there's always that fear that they would be put in cages and eaten. Right? <laughs> like, why would you go to a planet? Where the people are going to torture you, kill you, and eat you. Like, it's like it's like we are the worst science fiction story. You know, we're the we're the scary planet that other aliens and other races are told to stay far, far away from. Right, and so many movies, stories, and so forth. Uh, even though they seem crazy and that they wouldn't happen, and maybe it, you know, some of the more extreme cases, those movies and stories probably wouldn't happen. But they're derived from what people are doing. Right. So it's not that far of a stretch of the imagination to go into some of these stories. It's just kind of, as you said, that we, we are that we are awful. Mm-hmm. It's just sad. Individual on a small basis, you can look at individuals and see something great. You can see uh, my mind draws a blank, but the person in, in your documentary, it was just a brief clip, but runs an animal sanctuary. That individual is doing something great. And you can look at what they're doing and think, man, so great. And then you get people in groups, and as soon as you start getting in groups, and the larger the group, the greater chance that just not good things are going to happen. Yeah, and there is, I mean, again, to sort of to state the obvious, the majority of terrible things that we do as a species, the truth is other people are doing them for us. You know, like, that's most people's defense. And I, Doyle from The Misfits in the movie talks about this very clearly. He's like, He's like, just because someone else is killing the cow and you're eating it, you're complicit in that cow's death. Because someone else is killing the chicken, you can't say, oh, I'm absolved of any guilt or responsibility. It's like you're paying that person to torture and kill an animal on your behalf. And all I can say is good people don't do that. Right. You know, like if you heard about someone who was paying organized criminals to kill children, you'd be like, wow, that's the worst plant person on the planet. So how is it different if you're pay- if people are paying people at factory farms and slaughterhouses to kill animals on their behalf? It's like, well, you're not really a good person if you're paying other people to kill innocent beings on your behalf. 
I agree. Based on what you said there and when you were talking about the barbecue, for me personally, I came across doing this and the stuff I was learning, my, my primary reason initially was for health purposes. Like it's just as you stated, you start eating these foods, increases your chances for cancer and stuff like that. And my mentality at that time was, all right, well, at this point, I now know these things. So if those things happen to me, then what's my excuse? I knew better. I shouldn't have done it. And then learning more, seeing more becomes kind of along those lines of, yeah, there's so many other reasons to do it, not just for the health purposes, for the the betterment of everybody. Why are we treating animals like this? Uh, I think that you know, to sum up what Davey Havoc said, I think on the first portion of that interview that he included is basically like, hey, this doesn't seem right to me as a kid. And I think a lot of people probably think that as children. I think uh, somebody else, my mind's drawn a blank, is saying something like, hey, we see all these cartoons and all these animals and we come to love all these animals because so many cartoon characters are animals. But then we're eating these animals and then we're just told... You know, that's kind of, that's just what it is. That's that's how things are. And then it just becomes that out of sight, out of mind. I go to the grocery store and it's this slab of meat, not a not an animal at that point. I mean, it was, but that's just kind of what's pushed, that, that plate is pushed towards you and that's what you're kind of expected to, to take in. And what you're describing is this, one of the most confusing aspects of being an animal rights activist because... I think most people who are animal rights activists have a a trajectory similar to what I experienced, which is once you realize the truth of animal production, of meat and dairy production, you know, as you mentioned, how it, you know, it not only kills the animals, it kills us. You know, it's 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 the source of antibiotic resistance and rainforest deforestation and cancer, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Once you realize this, you kind of work under the assumption that when you tell people about it, they will be like, oh, you're absolutely right. We need to make a change. And what's amazing is no one will change. Like for the most part, you know, 99% of people, if you go to them and say, look, if you're not comfortable torturing and killing animals and you want to protect the planet and you want to protect your health, let's stop using animals for food. And they will agree with everything until you say let's stop using animals for food and i'm like what in the world what else is it going to take like if you go to someone and say like look this isn't just killing you it's killing animals and the planet and destroying the chances that human you know that, that people's kids might go on to be happy and healthy and have a future one would think that the response to that is a change in behavior and it's just so confusing even the people we supposedly might agree with like you know the progressives the democrats and i'm a i'm a progressive democrat i guess but like aoc eats hamburgers on social media bernie sanders eats hamburgers on social media i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you people like (laughs) does there are they dumb or hypocritical i can't quite figure it or just unwilling to as al gore said like to do really address the true inconvenient truth, which is the role of animal agriculture in every problem facing us as a species. Right, right. I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, looks like Eric, co-host of the show, has just joined. Eric. Yeah, how's it going? Hi, Eric. I forgot where we were. Oh, we were talking about how humans are idiots. Yes, yes, that 100%. <laughs> 
uh, agree with that. Yeah, the hypocritical people. When it comes down to it, uh, I think, you know, and I, I'm a good example of this. It's different things are going to resonate with different people. We, You can go around telling people the things that are important to you or what changed you into going that route, but it may not resonate with them in the same way. And the drawback is we're all different. And so to figure out what that is, because I think at a the core, especially, you know, at some point in the documentary, it was talking about, uh, you know, the difference between a kale farmer and an agricultural farmer, right? The kale farmer doesn't care if you go record what they're doing, but why is it that the government is making it illegal to go in and record the factory farms? Yeah, you know? that's Arthur from Gorilla Biscuits who was saying that. And it is, yeah, again, like, I mean, this, this recurring aspect to our conversation is confusion. Right. You know, the, the confusion around, like, why people continue to support an industry that they hate, you know. And, and the example of that is if people don't hate how meat and dairy is produced, why are they unwilling to look at it? Right. You know, it's such a simple thing. Like, if you can't look at a single photo of how your food is produced there's a really good chance you should be eating something else. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, but the fact that people like, no, I'm going to continue to eat food that kills me and kills animals, but I'm just unwilling to look at how it's made. I was like, well, there's an alternative. Eat food. that's good for you. That doesn't kill animals. And it lo and behold, you can actually look at pictures of someone creating vegan food. Like there's nothing, there's nothing unethical or disgusting or horrifying about how vegan food is produced. Right. I don't know how you can look at, you know, the way animals are born left in a cage and that's, you know, the, they're a commodity. Somebody else said this. I'm not taking credit for it. Somebody said it in the documentary, and I wish, you know, I had notes on, because you have so many great people involved in the documentary. 95% of them, I, uh, I knew who they were, and there was a couple that not that familiar with, but the point is, is somebody else said the same thing, that they're born and they're basically treated as a commodity. They're born into a cage, live this life, and then you see how that they are what their life consists of, and it's just heartbreaking. Well, that was actually Dave Navarro who said that. And one, one of the other recurring aspects of talking to people about the movie is how surprised people are at how widespread veganism and animal rights activism is in the, not just the punk world, but for like the metal world, the heavy music world. I mean, everybody finds someone in the movie that they're surprised by. You know, right. whether it's Rob Zombie, who's been a vegan for decades, or Derek from Sepultura, or John Joe. Well, I guess John Joseph has written books about veganism, but like, you know, Dave Navarro, like no one expects in the middle of the movie Dave Navarro to show up and be an outspoken animal rights activist. And so it has been really nice being able to surprise people that way. Like when I talk to people in the UK, they're all so surprised that Captain Sensible from The Damned has been an animal rights activist since the 70s. And it's really in this age where like there's so much information out there and everyone is so bombarded with all sorts of content. It's really nice being able to sort of reach people and surprise them in a kind of refreshing way. All right. And before we go any further on that note, 
with this documentary. I've watched it on YouTube. You can go to your YouTube channel and, and watch Punk Rock Vegan Movie. You can just go into YouTube and search Punk Rock Vegan Movie and find it. But where? Oh, it's, yeah, it's free. Yeah, right. It's always free. It's 100% free. People can do with it whatever they want. You can stream it. You can download it. It's because in my mind, you can't make an activist punk rock movie and try and make money from it like that just seems so wrong from the beginning we realized like okay whenever once we're releasing it like we have to release it for free anywhere people can experience free content so that's my biggest hope is that no one ever pays to see this movie because our goal is to give it away for free everywhere perfect for me personally you know we're creatures of habit you go to specific places at least initially to find it and if it's not in your usual places if it's something you really want you'll search it out are there other places that are you know maybe more regular for other people other than youtube to go watch this movie well what we learned um because i spent months sort of researching free platforms you know and they're the torrent sites and it hopefully the movie will end up on all of those places but what we realized in a kind of reductive overly simple way is that youtube is what you just described like most people it's you know it's one of the biggest sites on the planet and we're like well if we're going to give it away that's where we start and then you know if people want to upload it to other sites that's they can do that. Um, the, the better quality version for what it's worth is Vimeo, but that's a little bit more of a, pro, like not, I'd say like a, a prosumer platform. But nonetheless, we just thought like, well, you know, if you put it on YouTube, it's going to end up on all the other free sites. So that was our, our very simplistic strategies. Like if you're going to give it away, you use the platform that enables people to access free content exactly and made it really easy for me to find it i really enjoyed watching it i'm glad it was so easy to get uh prior to you releasing it here did you have it at any film festivals like a, as a debut to, to check out you know a lot of documentaries originate that way before they're out for everybody else to watch yeah it, it's been at a few festivals it had its world debut at Slamdance, which just to me seemed so perfect because Slamdance, it's, you know, it Slamdance is, and it's also germane to you guys because you're in Utah, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. And I first went to Slamdance in the mid nineties, I think 95 or 96. And I was speaking to the guys who started Slamdance and I was like, Hey, there is no festival on the planet where I would rather debut this movie because it so is aligned with Slamdance. You know, I mean, there are lots of other big festivals that were potentially interested. But I was like, oh, unfortunately, and I don't want to malign festivals, but a lot of them, the ethos is sales. You know, like it's right. just commerce for a lot of these bigger festivals. And this movie is free. And when I would say to them, like, hey, sure, the movie's free. It's always going to be free. We're not looking to sell it. I'm not, you know, we're not looking for any sort of transactional aspect the festivals were baffled. They were like, but wait, everyone wants to sell things. And I was like, no, I don't. I try to like, you know, when I ran a restaurant, the idea was to give the money away. Like I try to whenever possible. And I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but like the goal is, you know, if you can use your platform and your resources to try and do good, why, why wouldn't you like, why would you, uh, you know, embrace this culture of selfishness and weird 
pointless materialism that our culture is so obsessed with. Like, why embrace that if you don't have to? Like, why live in that if you don't have to? Like, I just don't understand that culture of people who have enough wanting more. You know, right. like, w- w- why? Like, why? Like, if, like, why in the world? Like, if, if someone's already financially stable, why do you want more? Like, what's the more ever going to do for you? I, I'm, I'm really, really confused by that cultural ethos and how that is the dominant paradigm. I think when it comes to anything, any, anybody that's appearing to do something, if you follow the money, right, then you, you know what the, the motivations are. And when you, in this instance, follow the money, well, there isn't any. It's not going anywhere. Then you know yeah, what yeah, the, literally is. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you know, there's, there's nothing no that, revenue stream, so there can't be any. I mean, like you can't look at a revenue stream because there literally is no revenue stream. There's no commerce. There's no, you know, we're not even saying like, hey, we're going to give a percentage of the profits because there are no profits because there's no way to have profits when there's no revenue. Exactly. And I think it goes with so many things in life, you know, from politicians to businesses appearing to do something that's supposed to be good. If you follow the money, then you know what the intentions really were. And I think on this, we can definitely see what the intentions are. Well, it's, I mean, I guess in a way, one of the things I'm personally so grateful for is having, it it might sound a little strange, but having a purpose that I believe in that is so much bigger than me. I almost feel sorry for people who don't have a purpose bigger than them. Right. You know, like, like all it takes is if I'm looking at Instagram and I see one image of a baby cow being taken away from its mother, I'm like, that's it. My life is not as important as this. Like, there's no selfish concern I have that could be more important than working to end this ridiculous, horrifying suffering. You know, the system that we've created, like ending that, it's just really, there's almost like a comfort saying, nothing in my life is as important as trying to end that system of cruelty and misery and suffering. A good example was Tony Cadal said the same thing more or less as as you just said in the documentary yeah you know what's funny is tony is some people might be like well tony's in no doubt no doubt weren't really a punk rock band i was like yeah but he did start out playing in hardcore bands similar to derek from sepultura like sepultura is a metal band but derek comes from the hardcore scene but tony was one of the most eloquent thoughtful passionate people in the movie and he was actually a little concerned he was like he didn't know if he was like well-spoken enough if he was doing a good enough job speaking on behalf of animals and i had to sort of reassure him be like oh you're actually one of the best speakers as regards animal rights as as any person i've ever heard but it was both both sweet and you know quite endearing that he was sort of doubting his ability to speak well on behalf of animal rights i think it was great i thought he was fantastic i think he brings that point where different things for different people is where it clicks. And for him, it was standing on the side of the road in the UK somewhere and somebody says a comment at a cow, you know, I'm going to eat you for dinner later. Mm -hmm. And then he went and did some self-reflection and that's kind of where, what kind of led him down this path. And, you know, so it's different for different people on what's going to resonate as far as, Hey, this isn't, I, I don't support this. I don't want to support this. This is just, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a no for me. And then 
It actually reminds me, I spoke at a Direct Action Everywhere conference in Salt Lake City a couple of years ago. And one of the things I tried to stress was that as activists, a big part of what we need to do is when we communicate with people is to not be critical, to not be judgmental. And because we have to respect everybody is at a different place in their trajectory. Right. You know, what? when I was 19 years old, before I went vegetarian and then vegan, if someone had come to me and yelled at me and been critical of me, it actually would have just made me defensive and less likely to consider animal rights activism. So I do think it is, you know, like the people we might ostensibly disagree with, it's not our place to, to criticize them. It's not our place to yell at them. It's just our place to sort of represent our beliefs as well as possible and as respectfully as possible. You know, I don't need to compromise my beliefs. I don't need to be less outspoken, but I do need to recognize that everyone is at a different place. And you never know, like the person who is eating at Arby's today might be an animal rights activist, vegan tomorrow. My goal is just to help them get there. I think what you're doing is the right way to do it. It's not the, hey, you non-vegans, you suck, and this is what you should be doing mentality, right? It's, hey, here's some information. This is what's really going on. This is experience. This is all these people that you might be into and what they believe. And, you know, in, in a lot of cases, this is how they came across it themselves. Yeah. Those people might be the HR, because so many people kind of look back, you know, in the documentary, a lot of people kind of go back, even though that wasn't his intention, but they go back to how he was, things he said, and so forth, and that kind of influenced them along their path, and them being in this documentary might be them being the same thing. So, but yeah, so, so I mean, to your point, it's that question of, you know, it's not our job to criticize it's not our but it's also not our job to stay silent you know it's it's you know like the people in the movie like you know steve ignorant from crass like everybody who's interviewed in the movie is to be consistently outspoken in a way that you know like you never know how your words might reach people or how your words might affect people but in order for our words to reach people we have to speak up like we can't be silent we also have to be strategic in how we try and reach people. And it's a, it can be a balance because clearly like the way in which I might communicate regarding animal rights to my 80 year old aunt is a lot different than how I might communicate regarding animal rights to a 16 year old punk rock kid. Absolutely. You know, the 16 year old punk rock kid, you could play them ACX, DC and earth crisis and read them the lyrics and they're like, oh, awesome. If you play ACX, DC and Earth Crisis to my 80-year-old aunt, she might have a heart attack. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's that ear that you're going to have, that's going to need to have that refinement or that consistent listening to, to even decipher what's going on in, in some music because they're just going to hear it and hear the what the instruments are doing and it's loud, fast, and they're not even going to process what, what's being said. Yeah, I mean, going back to the subtitles issue is like, I grew up with Ray and Purcell from Youth of Today um, back when they were in a band called Violent Children in the early 80s. We used to play shows with them. And the song No More, which is kind of an animal rights anthem, I'll be honest, until 
I looked at the subtitles for the lyrics. I didn't 100% know what they were saying. I wouldn't have you know, either. Because <laughs> yeah, the lyrics are so fast and so distorted. And when you look at them on their own, they almost read like, it's like an essay about compassion and animal rights. But when you listen to it, I understand why people might be confused. Because when you listen to it, it's so aggressive. It was really wonderful sort of diving into some of these lyrics, like Cats and Dogs. That's, we did a, this sort of funny choral version of Cats and Dogs by Gorilla Biscuits so we could focus on the lyrics. Because in the original version, it's so fast that you can't really figure out what he's saying unless you have the lyrics open in front of you. That's true. <laughs> and along those lines with Gorilla Biscuits, Arthur, you know, he mentioned in there that he originally started, you know, vegan, vegetarian. You know, a lot of the guys was kind of one or evolving into the other, that is. And he got into it for the wrong reasons because it was cool. And I guess at this point, whichever way you get into it is good, but, you know, the longevity of somebody continuing with it, you know, is going to need to be more than, hey, the cool people were doing yeah. it or the people that I like are doing it. But for him, it was those reasons and then decided, hey, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this. And as he did, then he realized, oh, yeah, this just makes sense. Yep. But to that point, it is something that I, I try very hard to focus on both with myself and to sort of encourage with other people is your point about being able to do this for a long time. You know, a lot of people in the activist community get burned out very quickly, either burned out from frustration or burned out you know, from stress or burned out from bad health, or, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been sober now for a while. I know a lot of people get burned out from alcohol and drugs. And I do think that a key part of being of service and being an activist is taking care of yourself. Because, right. you know, the goal is to be an activist for decades, you know. And I've seen some so many people who just sort of fall by the wayside because they get so burned out from sickness and stress and addiction. And uh, we might I sometimes think that it's, you know, taking care of ourselves is a luxury, but it's actually essential. Right. You know, it's necessary in order to be a day in, day out activist. So, you know, the old cliches of like sleep well, eat well, um, exercise, spend time with people you like, listen to music you love, because all these things are healthy and will enable you to be an activist, you know, in a sustainable way for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. I do have a, a couple of questions. Uh, well, actually, uh, first, I want to comment on the <clears throat> on the documentary. I love the way, uh, not just the documentary itself, but the way that it's edited. All those little uh, all those little bumpers between uh, sections of the documentary are uh, split apart by those little animations. Yeah. I mean, the idea was to sort of something that I, I learned a long time ago is how easy it is to get numb when you're watching a movie or watching a band or listening to a record. And so the idea is to constantly wake people up so they don't, I mean, if in the movie, if we had only had thoughtful interview footage after about 10 minutes, people might've turned it off. But the idea is you wake people up every six or seven minutes in the hope that that keeps them watching. Even if you've annoyed them, like some of the stuff you're describing like, I'm sure that there's some people who are kind of annoyed by some of these ridiculous little skits and things. But I'm like, yes, it, maybe they're annoying, but they, they sort of break things up in a way that people might continue to watch. Hopefully they don't alienate people. But uh, it was 
I, I don't know if we did it well, but it was definitely a choice to try and like sort of keep things as mentioned, like keep things like a trajectory that will wake people up. But also the funny thing about hardcore, especially, and I know you guys obviously know this and punk is there's always been this balance between the incredibly serious and the incredibly ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I mean, even think of like, think of black flag. It's like damaged has some of the darkest, most, thoughtful music i've ever heard but it also has tv parties right you know the dead kennedy's first album some of those songs like looking forward to death super dark but then it also has fun land at the beach and like ridiculous or you know like their cover of viva las vegas so like that that juxtaposition of the very earnest the very dark and the very playful and ridiculous. And I did think that like including some of those interstitials and things you're describing was a way of sort of reflecting that, that strange punk rock juxtaposition of the serious and the ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I found it enjoyable. I like, I like watching that first little cow roam on the boat. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was fun. Another question of mine, uh, these were some points that I thought were uh, uh, were going to be brought up in the documentary, but weren't. Uh, one, uh, maybe because this is a bit too uh, niche, but uh, I know that there was a segment of uh, like of uh, militant vegans who were like, especially here, there was a thing with uh, uh, Peter Young and uh, cutting open the cages to the uh, mink farms and getting arrested on that. But that's sort of like vigilantism that came about from the movement. I was... Yeah, I was kind of surprised that that wasn't in the documentary. Was there a uh, was there a reason that that wasn't covered? Oh, it's uh, I mean because the there's so many aspects to the animal rights movement. You know, there are open rescues. There's the animal liberation front. There's you know, as you mentioned, vigilantism. There's a lot of these aspects, and a lot of those things recur in the movie, but perhaps not explicitly. You know, like Tony from No Doubt talks about doing his first open rescue. Tim from Rise Against talks about songs that advocate burning down slaughterhouses. So we wanted to look more at the sort of the punk rock history and the underlying animal rights aspect because we had to exclude certain things in order just simply to not make a seven-hour long movie. And (laughs) I mean, because the the animal rights movement strategically has done, you know, has gotten involved in politics, has gotten involved in food, has gotten involved in, you know, anti-vivisection, has gotten involved in so many different things. Personally, I applaud almost all of it, and I've been involved in most of them, but we just thought that there wasn't a way to do justice to those issues without having... And it, you know, like, as I mentioned, like a five hour long movie, because, you know, once you open the door to some of those activist practices, you have to include all of them. And we we're like, well, let's just sort of like keep a fairly tight focus. So I, I agree with your point. Um, and maybe that should be the second movie is like, you know, a deconstruction of all the strategic approaches in the animal rights movement. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. That's, uh, that's what I uh, preluded the question with. It's like maybe it's a little too niche, but. But yeah, those are some viable points you're bringing up. Uh, one more question before I have to hop off. This is a question that has uh, sort of surrounded my mind in, in just the whole scope of veganism. For all the uh, domesticated pets that you keep around, like uh, you, your cats and your dogs, uh, some of which are omnivorous, even carnivorous, uh, how do you go about supplying the diet for those animals? It's, yeah, it's a great question, and it's a recurring 
It's been a huge question in the animal rights movement for a very long time. Um, it's the reason why I don't have companion animals. One of the main reasons, like cats in particular, cats are carnivores. So I personally, in good conscience, can't have a cat because I, you know, I'm 100% vegan. I won't wear animal products. I won't buy animal products. And I, I know I have some friends who are vegans, but they will buy meat for their cats. And from my perspective, I just don't ever talk about it with them. You know, it's not my place. You know, there, there are bigger conversations to have around, you know, a nice vegan who has a cat. So I just simply don't. It, it's kind of like that question of like, if you were on a desert island and there were only rabbits, would you kill a rabbit? I was like, well, that's potentially an interesting question, but let's focus on destroying McDonald's and the current, <laughs> you know, the current system. And then regarding dogs, like dogs are actually much more omnivorous. You know, cats are carnivorous and you can't really have a healthy cat on a vegan diet, very sadly. Dogs do quite well on vegan diets. Like, there's, you know, there's a lot of veterinary research. So, you know, I am sort of the partial co-parent of a dog named Bagel. And Bagel is a happy, healthy vegan dog, you know, who's been vegan for years. And so I do know that, like, with a little bit of research, you can have a very healthy vegan dog. Cats alligators, possum. I mean, there are other creatures like it'd just be really hard to have a companion animal who's a carnivore and eat it a vegan diet because physiologically, they're just, there's nothing about a cat that is designed to eat vegan food. Yeah, I get that. It's sort of like a, um, a case-by-case scenario. It just depends on where they, I don't know, where they can draw the line. Yeah. And again, I feel like it's so easy to get this distracted i'm not saying it's an like it's, it's certainly a very relevant question it's a great question but it's, i think that really for me the, the key focus has to be trying to dismantle current food systems and replace them with something better and i just personally anything that that leads animal rights activists to argue with each other i just try and i just try and stay away from it right you know yeah. kind of like i mean it reminds me a little bit on a much less ethical level like in the old days of you know early 80s punk rock like people would have arguments about like, oh, this band has sold out because they made a seven inch. And I was like, yeah, that's really maybe not something we should argue about. It's like, sure, they could have just made cassettes in the AV department at the local high school, but instead they made a seven inch. That doesn't make them sell out. Let's focus on the bigger issues. Right. Yeah, I get. I guess stuff like that would just open up a whole different, uh, whole different can of worms that you got to sift through. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like I said. I just try and I try and avoid the things that are going to lead vegans or animal rights activists to argue with each other. Yeah, save it for the second documentary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do unfortunately have to jump off. I'm really glad that we all got the chance to talk. Moby, it was great talking with you. Lovely documentary. I loved how profound it was and just how how it just looked so DIY. But it was it just came off so professional. I loved it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, of course. And Dustin, I, I do have to jump off. So thank you guys for having me on. This was really fun. Absolutely. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. And as with the documentary, you can only have so much footage. Otherwise, it takes multiple documentaries or hours worth. Uh, we're going to cut it off here, running out of time, as it were. So, uh, you know, next interview, next documentary, so forth. Thank you again to Moby. On to some more music. <laughs>
that's Vatican Commandos. You're not the same. I didn't find that on any of their prior releases. Not sure where you're where you would find it, but Vatican Commandos. We played one on either end of the interview. Uh, there you go. You check out a band that uh, Moby played bass in back in the early '80s. We want to thank Moby again for taking the time to talk to us about punk rock vegan movie. We had a great time. We both enjoyed uh, the movie. It's a great documentary. I definitely recommend you getting out there. I mean, it's free. It's going to take an hour and a half of your time, and you can go over to YouTube so you can watch it on basically any source, your TV, your iPad, your laptop, your phone, wherever. Wherever it's convenient, you can watch it. Exactly. And it's really and cool that they're doing it for free. Yep. Yeah, you heard it. You heard it from him. It's like uh, he's doing it in the name of activism. So it's unethical to, you know, accept profits from, you know, from something just done out of, uh, yeah, out of sheer charity, pretty much. Right. As for the as for the song, uh, that song from Vatican Demand uh, Demandos. Commandos. <laughs> <laughs> Vatican Demandos. Yes. <laughs> Vatican Doritos. Uh, yeah, you're not the same. It actually sounded very close uh, to another straight edge band, not vegan, at least as far as my knowledge is uh, is concerned. And that band is Seven Seconds. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, the vocalist had a similar range to uh, that of Kevin Seconds. So, so yeah. Yep. It was a cleaned up copy. Maybe I've Maybe. got it incorrect. Maybe it was Seven Seconds. I don't know. Like I said, I couldn't find it on any of their other releases. <laughs> but it was a very clear copy. So I figured let's check it out. Uh, either way. I don't think it was a Seven Seconds song. I okay, good. <laughs> you know, I... I hate don't to have all of their song titles memorized, but I would wager to say they don't have a song called You're Not the Same. True. That makes sense. And I would hate to play a song that is by somebody else and call it somebody else. So anyway, uh, important song to play, Gorilla Biscuits, Cats and Dogs. You'll, If you have watched the uh, punk rock vegan movie, then you will know that there is a easy way to hear what the lyrics are that might be easier to hear than in the Gorilla Biscuit song we're about to play. Uh, go watch the movie. You'll know exactly what yeah, I mean. The Straight Edge <laughs> Gospel Choir. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Here is Gorilla Biscuits with Cats and Dogs. Talked about it in the documentary. Talked about it in the interview. Let's do it. Here we go. Say that. 
Unless you're in uh, Korea. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, some people actually do uh, do farm dogs over there. Yeah, well, true. not necessarily Korea, but I can't specify which country it is. But it happens in China. Yeah. I, I know there's dog rescues that mm-hmm. I, I donate money to that have gone over to China to rescue dogs that were going to be a meal. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, the whole... Uh, throughout the whole uh, uh, span of the documentary, it was reminding me of a specific South Park episode. Uh, how, uh, you know, talking about how the uh, whaling is such a is such a common pastime in Japan. It's like, you know, going after dolphins and whales, and and of course the South Park boys are like, uh, why are they doing this? And you know, the twist is that those were that it was uh, part of some. Uh, cover-up plan that dolphins and whales were the ones that dropped the bomb on the Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So <laughs> that's why they're t- taking care of that. And they're just like, well, in order to keep you from whaling, we learned that it was actually cows and chickens that did that. And the closing line from uh, Randy Marsh is like, the Japanese are going over in the pl- in the plains and ranches, killing off all the, all the cows and all the chickens. And uh, then Randy looks at Sand. There you go, son. Now they're normal. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Right? It's sort of like where uh, where that defining line is for most people. And uh, just and just know that that line is uh, subject to change. Right. You know, if uh, there were some points saying, like, uh, people will say, oh, yeah, I don't have to kill the animal, you know? It's like, okay, well, uh, what if you did? If you could comfortably kill an animal to consume its flesh... Would you do that? <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those f- points that puts it into perspective. Really uh, garners critical thinking, and uh, and some people like myself, we are taking all of this into consideration because I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian by any means. But does that mean that I'm gonna stay this way the rest of my life? I don't know. I don't know. But it's a long journey for a lot of people. It is. It's a long journey for me. And it was a long journey for you. It was, yeah. I was 37 when I I made that choice. So five and a half years, there you go. I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for me, and keeping it going, you know, have, have not looked back and will not look back, you, you know, just mm-hmm. as for reasons you just stated in the last few mo- minutes. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, we'll just see. We'll just see. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's not like something that I could just flip a switch and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I'm not consuming any uh, meat and dairy, you know? it's uh, For me, it's going to be something... Gradual. Uh, yes, gradual. Right. If, yeah, if and I do choose to make that decision. It's different for different people, mm-hmm. and everybody's different, and, uh, you know, make the decisions, educate yourself, and make decisions that you're happy with and comfortable with. And hopefully, it's good for everybody. Yeah. And when I say everybody, I mean all things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say I say what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, the by and large is uh, you may not agree with their decision, but respect that they have that. True. You know, people may not ag- 
You know, people may not agree with my decision to uh, continue consuming meat, but, you know, just uh, they're not going to. People don't force that ideal on me. Forcing ideas, it just doesn't work. Yeah. If anything, it dissuades me. <laughs> and it, that's true for most. Yep. And that's just how my mindset is uh, across the board. It's like if people are hyping up a, a new style of music or a new show, it's like, you got to watch this. You got to listen to this. I'm like, just chill out a little bit. You know, you're building up so much hype around it. I am, it's having the opposite effect on me. <laughs> if anything, I'm less interested. That's why it took me so long to get into Breaking Bad because my best friend, he was just like, dude, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I didn't. And I finally started the first season, like, as the show was ending. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm happy I got into it because it's a great show. But, but yeah, the point is, if you're uh, constantly, like, uh, berating people and just trying trying your goddamnedest to uh, try, something, try something out that is uh, awesome to you, it's like, yeah, it's awesome to you, but you don't know how they're going to react to it. True. Just... Let them get into it on their own time. Yep. You know, the fact is you, uh, uh, that's basically what this whole documentary was about is like presenting information. It's like, here's all the information. Here's the proof behind it all. You have it. Do with it what you will now. Right. Don't be too pushy. Be supportive along the way. That's what's helpful. Precisely. And that's just how, uh, yeah, that's just how things should work. Right. Yeah, some of uh some people are just uh not willing to change and some people are not willing to uh to grant them a sort of leniency. True. <laughs> it's like uh come on, just uh just let things happen naturally. If you're gonna force it, it's gonna turn into shit. <laughs> Agreed. Well, thank you again, Moby. We appreciate you. We appreciate the documentary that you put together. Both enjoyed it uh, immensely. Uh, we're going to wrap up this show one track. It's an alternative song. The band is Faith No More. I've got a bunch of alternative tracks, as I try to do with all the other genres of music. I'm trying to pick tracks that I really enjoyed but might not be the, the well-known. You know, I'm not playing We Care A Lot, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to... You're not playing epic? <laughs> yes, not playing epic. In the Mike Patton era, you know, because I think he started on their third album, I want to say. Uh, we're getting into the album that came out in 97. The band started in 85. The album uh, during that alternative era, and that's, you know, uh, Faith No More, kind of one of those bands, their sound evolved a bit. It wasn't always like, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses was kind of Guns N' Roses, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. Faith No More kind of had some experimental parts to their music. Yeah, they were bringing in the whole uh, funk element into right. everything. Uh, much in the same way that the Chili Peppers did, though Chili Peppers are arguably a lot more popular. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, profitable. True. Yeah. I mean, they got the most simple fucking logo. It's just one, two, three, four. It's just a little star. It's a little red star. And <laughs> everybody knows what it is. It's like, goddamn, I... Good on you. <laughs> but yeah, Faith No More is great. Faith No More is great. Uh, actually, we'll have Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, I got a track in mind in an upcoming episode through that alternative kind of style. And So help uh, me God, if it's Give It Away, I will shit a brick. No, something <laughs> early. 
Early, early for from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Earlier than Give It Away. Even though I love Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it was a cool album. I like the title track. It was probably my favorite track on the album. Yeah. Uh, different. And then I got a Mike Patton band coming up next, but we do have a long interview on the next episode, so it might be in yeah. two weeks. You'll have to wait and see, and it's not Mr. Bungle. Or Mr. <laughs> Bunghole or anything like that. <laughs> it, it's something else. But we're going to get into Mike Patton's band. Uh, I shouldn't say that. he Band he's in, Faith No More. The band he made famous. Yes. <laughs> exactly. You got that right. Uh, album of the Year was the name of the album that came out in 97. The track that we're going to listen to is Ashes to Ashes.
what'd you think of that one? Had you heard that before? No, I haven't heard that one. I'm not too uh, <clears throat> familiar with uh, Faith No More's discography, but uh, but yeah, I haven't heard a lot of their music in the long run, and that was uh, I could tell it was Faith No More. <laughs> Good, because that's the that's the Faith No More with which I am most familiar. Uh, the only other song that I know off the top of my head is Midlife Crisis. Okay. Yeah, and I really, I really like that one. Midlife Crisis, you poor big yes, it's true. <laughs> I don't know exactly the words he is saying, but I just remember listening to that on the on one of the Tony Hawk soundtracks, and it really stuck with me. That's awesome. Yep, and because they're they're catchy and they're fun, and they're just got a they just got a good energy about them. It's music you could definitely skate to. Agreed. And uh, like I said, we'll be playing something else from Mike Patton. Coming up, uh, different band, uh, different different sound for sure. Oh, and uh, what's also funny is on that same soundtrack, there was also a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. It was also a sort of deep cut. It was a uh, Power of Equality. Nice. The Power of Equality. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's awesome. And also a Steel Pulse song. Now that I think about it, oh fuck, I can't remember what that one is. At least I, I don't know the melody off the top of my head. I think it was, uh, yeah, it's fine. It, uh, no matter. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to wrap up the show. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon, Music Player, FM, Podvine, and slcpodcast.com. Plus, I'm sure plenty of other places. Wherever you find podcasts, we're probably there. Uh, you can find the bands on Instagram at snuffxtape, at confront underscore stage, at longshot odds, at the underscore abusements, at orthodox tn, at y-o-t-o official, at Faith No More, the show's at SLC Punkcast. The uh, documentary doesn't have its own social medias, but you can probably go check out Moby or just go to YouTube and look up Punk Rock Vegan Movie. Eric, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Scary Uncle Eric. Well, Scary Uncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. I post on there every week the uh, the episodes of the Punkcast, <laughs> so you can find me on there. You can find my bands, Anonymous and Apathetics, on Instagram and Facebook, respectively, at Anonymous underscore Band Official and TheApathetics.slc, and at Anonymous SLC and at TheApathetics. That's a Instagram and Facebook in that order. And you can find us on our band camps at Anonymous SLC and TheApathetics.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow my other podcasts on Instagram, Lead Melodies, at Lead Melodies underscore podcast. And on Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc, you can stream the episodes on Spotify and Anchor FM, uh, Anchor.fm. And uh, be sure to follow the SLC Hardcore page on Facebook. Um, there's a lot of uh, shows coming up. Uh, and if you need uh, reminders for the shows that I plugged here, well, you can uh, get reminders uh, from the fucking Facebook page that I just mentioned. Yeah, that's this kind of works anyway <laughs> the bands are found on facebook at snuff x tape at confront stage at long shot odds at abusements at orthodox tn vatican commandos even have a facebook page at youth of today official at faith no more the shows at slc Punkcast. i forgot to mention uh moby's done several interviews he was even on good morning america i'm gonna venture out and say we probably don't have the listenership as they have viewership you know anywhere near the quantity so it's really cool that uh moby took the time to talk to us 
along with you know other interviews such as being on Good Morning America. Yeah. So to talk about <laughs> punk rock vegan movie, uh, that is it. Though, thank you for joining us all the way up to this point. Thank you again to Moby. Any final thoughts, real quick, before we wrap up? Well, I mean, in the uh, in the vein of all things that have been uh, discussed today via the interview and uh, the overall uh, uh, moral and message of the story of <laughs> the story, the documentary, but the story behind the documentary, the one the one feature that is uh, combined through all of it is. Just questioning where you stand is like know where you stand, recognize that, and also, and also just uh, remind yourself that that stance is subject to lean a little this way or lean a little that way. You don't always have to stay stagnant in one place, you know. And for a lot of us, we're still we're still young. Even us middle aged, we are young, <laughs> still figuring it out. Yep, we're all just uh, we're not exactly set in our ways. We're still subject to change. So just remember that line that you drew in the sand at one point, you're going to walk over it. <laughs> so just, just keep that in mind as you, uh, as you evolve through life. Play the fucking outro.